Gregor, welcome to the program. You've had a good look now at the South African side. Not about you, but I shook a little bit. Uh, that is a scary, scary 23, is it not? Well, I don't know if I'd quite go to the station and calling them scary, but it's clearly uh, a team with intent, isn't it? It's, it's clearly, if you, if you look at the way they've handled the last two weeks, uh, playing the Wallabies and then the All Blacks over here, you'd argue that the B team played last week and the A team are being unleashed this week. With one or two exceptions, probably. Uh, a couple of guys have played um, Exodus, and I think one of the wings is also uh, coming over, and he'll be playing here too. So, look, it, it, it's largely give or take one or two players, the unit that beat the All Blacks from Wellington um, last year. Uh, and it's clearly Rafi Erasmus' feeling that this is the team, by and large, he's going to be looking to use, um, or, or the one he thinks, is going to be his top team or close to on the World Cup, give or take one or two players have been injured at the moment. It's, it's interesting, isn't it? Because we like to read a lot into this game coming up on Saturday night in referencing the game on the 21st of September, that first Robin, round Robin match of the World Cup. But, but how much can we draw from this fixture and attach to that particular game? Much? Well, Anything? Well, I mean, who, who would know? I mean, you got your amateur psychologist will tell you, oh, you get a huge advantage if you win this one. And, it all matters, and every test match, there's this kind of hidden meaning here, and it'll all add up over there. And the, the, the answer for me is, like, I, I don't think it'll have a huge bearing. A World Cup is completely different. And what you've got to remember about these pre-game, pre-World Cup games is that both coaches, uh, both teams, are still not convinced about who their top team is. They're still trying to work a few combinations. They're still trying to find out answers about one or two guys. In the case of the All Blacks, I don't know what they're going to do, but I'd imagine they want to have a look at Shannon Fazell or maybe George Bridge, are the kind of guys that they're going to probably be looking at bringing into their team to get a feel for what they're about. The South Africans have probably got a couple of guys that Razzie's looking at going, I'm not sure whether this guy's got what I need, but I'll play him against the All Blacks and I'll find out. So it's not a full hand that they're quite dealing at each other at the moment. And I don't think tactically or see full hands being played either because they'll both be wary to some extent that while they want to win the test, and while they want to put a good performance together, um, they don't really want to be showing each other too much um, about what's going to be happening in Yokohama, uh, as you said, on September 21st, whatever it is. So there's a little bit of a phony war to it to some degree, but I think both, I think if you ask Steve Hansen, do you want to win this test? before you go and play them again in uh, the World Cup. His answer would be yes, clearly, because you take a bit of confidence from that. And probably what's more important is that they will have a couple of objectives tactically, strategically. There'll be a few things that they'll be focusing on. It might be the kicking game. I would imagine they looked at the work under the high ball in Argentina and weren't very happy with that. And they'll probably said, look, we need to improve in that area. They'll want to see a strong scrummaging performance. Um, against a very big and aggressive South African pack, and they'll probably have a few plans about how they can improve their attack ball in hand. So these will be, in some ways, and I'm sure that South Africans will have similar objectives that they'll want to achieve beyond winning the Test match. And in some ways, these are the games that if you don't win them, you can still walk away from them feeling pretty confident about what you achieved, tuck it away and think, well, that worked. We can unleash that again when we meet later on, and that didn't work. We won't try that again, and we find out that you know Willie LaRue's not so good under the high ball, or whatever it might be. So there'll be little bits of intelligence that we'll both be looking to gather up ahead of that 
you know, World Cup players. So in essence, it's the nature of the win or the loss, uh, not the result. It's the process that they go through to get to the end of that 80 minutes. And be it they lose by a couple of points or five points, they're more interested in how things work within the game itself as opposed to ultimately the result, if you're being brutal about it, Gregor. Think so. I mean, and, and I'm talking to New Zealand audience who presumably must be aware that you have a World Cup history where, go back to 2003, the All Blacks absolutely destroyed the Wallabies in Sydney um, three months before the World Cup, played them again in the semi final and lost. You know, they, they destroyed France out here in 2007 in June, played them again in the World Cup three months later and lost. So, you know, an absolutely cataclysmic victory for the All Blacks. And everyone goes, oh, we'll smash the uh, Springboks again in, in September in the World Cup. Well, you know, clearly that doesn't happen. And the amount of times it hasn't happened and actually been reversed should tell everyone in New Zealand, look, the actual result, it's not like ever, anybody's going to enjoy losing or, or celebrate that fact, but the actual result, when you go down to it, is not the critical component. It is, it is taking those steps towards building the kind of performance and the patterns and the cohesion that, that, that you want and that are going to be vital when it all has to come together in September. So, yeah, you're absolutely right. The public might react poorly to a defeat. It might kind of be all war betrayed. Uh, we're in a shocking state where, you know, everything's going wrong ahead of the World Cup. But I think the coaches have been around for long enough to go, look, that's not really how it works. And after all, the All Blacks lost to Australia in 2015 in Sydney in the Rugby Championship and then beat them in the fight. Um, and I'm sure, uh, again, they lost to Australia in 2011 before the Rugby World Cup, last game before the World Cup, and then beat them again in the semi-final. So it's kind of worked both ways for the All Blacks. They've lost to opponents and beaten them in the World Cup. They've beaten them before the World Cup and then lost to them when they're there. So it's about performance. We're joined by Gregor Paul, New Zealand Herald Rugby scribe. The South African team comes out 12 hours before the All Black team comes out. Does that serve any advantage to Steve Hansen that he can eyeball what the South Africans are up to? Or do you think that the way the All Blacks work, they couldn't care less what the Springboks do? Well, they could care, but not, not in any extent. Like, but they, they would have started their week. In fact, they would have started this whole campaign pretty much having worked out the two teams because of time constraints of such. And the way uh, they've travelled, only not taking 13 or 14 players Argentina, they clearly picked the team for the South African test you know, 10, 12, 14 days ago or whatever. So they, they would have been working on a plan for this game way, way before the South Africans were getting remotely close to picking their team or unveiling it. So they'll be interested, you know, they'll be, you know, the eyebrow will be raised and Hanson will be nodding away as he reads the names tomorrow, uh, today. Um, but no, it, it will have no bearing on what they want to achieve. I mean, they know that they're going to be facing whatever 23 players South Africa picked. You know, the old blacks knew they were going to be good. They, you know, they, they they found that out pretty pretty harshly last year when they lost. So yeah, there's a lot of respect for them. You read an interesting article, Gregor, around maybe possibly a, a, a heel for the All Blacks side and their their tendency to run their way out of any trouble position whatsoever. That's just their go-to, suggesting that maybe when it comes to the crunch in a World Cup, they might need to show a bit more restraint and a bit more patience. Do you think that's something that might be being looked at in the build-up to the All Blacks or this, this test match? Or do you feel that they'll just be damned that and they'll run with their tendency because that's the way they go? Well, this this might be the game of the four or five pre-World Cup games. This might be the one where we actually see them adopt a World Cup mindset, the one to which we've alluded. 
And I mean, the, the classic example of where they didn't adopt a clean, uh, closing out attitude was the very one against South Africa in Wellington last year, where everyone knows they had the opportunity uh, to, first of all, they should have kicked the penalty 15 minutes before the end. They burned that. Um, that, that, was, that wasn't the right call. And then finally, last play of the game, they were camped under the South African post. Um, right in front, they just needed a drop into the pocket and, and, and drop the goal and win the game. But they, but they couldn't resist the temptation. They thought, they thought that the opportunity was there to score a try. And they went for it. Didn't work. Paul got knocked out of Danny McKenzie's own game over. Now, I'm thinking that, again, this is the game where I think we might pull back a little bit and say, OK, we're into World Cup mindset. What would we do if this was a World Cup game? And that might mean that they scrummage a little bit longer and they look to hold the ball in. If they think they've got some pressure building on the South Africans or hold the ball in, they might play for a penalty. They might kick the goal more than they have. They might build a bit of scoreboard pressure. I think we might see whoever's playing a fly half uh, for the All Blacks drop a goal at some stage just to see if they can do it and uh, just to get that routine and pattern sorted out. Um, and, and I think there might be a level of safety first, a little bit how the Crusaders played in the um, Super Rugby final where they decided, look, uh, we don't need the bonus point to win this and we don't need to glorify the scoreline. We actually just need to score more points than them. And if it takes us six kicks a goal to grind them down, well, so be it. That's what we're going to do. And I have a wee feeling we'll see a little bit more of that attitude and mindset around the captaincy from Kieran Reid. It'll be a bit more conservative than he normally is. And there'll be a message going to the number 10 uh, down the other end of the field, please. We're not playing our rugby in our own 22. Gregor, what are your expectations around the team announcement for the All Blacks 5 o'clock tomorrow morning? We're almost, Gorham was suggesting yesterday that it's almost like the season's starting again a week later because it was a an almost a Barbarians-like uh, team that set down last week against uh, Los Pumas. So now it's like a, a, a reset. What are your expectations around what they're going to be looking to to pick, who they're going to be looking to pick, and what's their rationale behind their selection? Well, Doran's a smart man because he's, he's, he's nailed that with his uh, with that explanation. I think that's exactly right. I think we will see fairly wholesale changes because, I mean, clearly the fact that they split the squad was with that very purpose in mind. I mean, they didn't, they didn't leave the Crusaders boys at home to not play them this weekend. And Ditto, they didn't, they're not dragging the other group from you know around the other side of the world, have them play a test match, and then play another one here in Wellington. So... We can expect, um, you know, virtually a brand new 23 with, uh, clearly it won't be brand new, there'll be a handful of players who are in Argentina who may come onto the bench, probably. There might be one or maybe two who start. I don't know. I would be surprised if anyone starts twice. And look, it'll be a case of, uh, similar to South Africa, where they'll they'll want um, a group of, uh, you know, core guys to to be playing together because these guys we all know if you look at Whitelock and Metallic, Moody and um, Franks, they are clearly first choice in the in their roles and they're probably going to be playing in this game with a view that they're probably going to be playing in most games through the World Cup. So they need to start building a bit of cohesion in those areas. I'd imagine Sonny Bill, if he is fit, will have to play because at some point he's going to have to get on the pass and see if he can do it. Um, and then everywhere else, I think we just see Crusaders players wherever they fit naturally come into the team. Um, so that'll be good view. Um, Mawanga may start, I would imagine, and that's not anything to do with, you know, that's not he. Uh, he should be starting. It's just, I think we'll start him because Barrett was in Argentina. So they, they probably won't pick him at number 10 because Mawanga will be back here in New Zealand 
worked in the game plan with that team, so I'd imagine it makes sense for him to start. Um, and, uh, and uh, you know, Kieran will come back in, captain the team, and uh, Whitelock will be back in there, I would imagine. And I think everything else is fairly obvious. A slew of Cantabs coming back into the side. I'm glad you mentioned Sonny Bill Williams. It's been well pointed out that he really hasn't fired much of a shot in the last few years since the last World Cup. The the injuries that he's, that he's had to deal with as he slowly ages, still a fantastic athlete. We know that the All Black management love the guy and want him involved, but this is shaping should he be selected as, as a key 40, 60, 80 minutes for Sonny Bill Williams to see if he'll actually get the nod over that congested midfield. What are your thoughts around Sonny Bill and his contribution come World Cup time, Gregor? Well, look, I, I, he'd be in my World Cup. Uh, and I think your colleague, Marcia Devon, asked me about this recently. He said the same thing. You know, look, at, look at Daniel Carter. He had a fairly similar troubled uh, World Cup cycle between 2011 and 2016. He played slightly more than Sonny, but actually not that much more. And if you look at how he came into that World Cup, he, he barely played in 2014 because he, broke, he um, had a sabbatical when he broke his leg. Um, and then in 2015, he was still struggling with that broken leg, and he, was, he didn't play a lot for the Crusaders, and he didn't play particularly well for the All Blacks uh, when he came into the team before the World Cup. And there was a lot of feeling, and even the All Blacks selectors had a little moment of are we, um, you know, are we taking a huge risk with this 33, 34-year-old who you know, hasn't put a lot of runs on the board for some time, but we know he's a world-class player when, he, when he's fit and going. And he flicked the switch at the World Cup, as everyone will know. You know, he, he was the player of the World Cup. He ended up World Player of the Year at the end of it. And he came right. And who would know why? And I think it would be the same with Sonny, because I think he's a similar kind of big... Um, you know, big high-profile athlete who's played at two previous World Cups. He's got 50 old Test matches under his belt. He, he knows what he's doing and he knows his own body. And I think he just needs a bit of luck to somehow avoid. And who would know? I mean, who would know why hamstring pulls or why a shoulder pops out or whatever these things happen? But if he can avoid that, and I don't know how he does avoid that, and he can put a little bit of uh, form together between now. Um, and the World Cup, I think he will be a huge player for them because um, yeah, the biggest problem the All Blacks have at the moment is playing against rush defences, and everyone's doing it at the moment. Everyone's just flying up out the line, closing down the space, hit them, steer them. And the key to, one of the key skills that Sonny brings is he's able to take that contact and release the ball, and that creates a giant hole for the next guy. And once he's broken a rush defence, particularly if you can break it in that middle of the field where he'll be playing, you can cause havoc as the attacking team. The rush defense is, is completely destroyed if you break it at that point. It becomes difficult to break if you're trying to break it you know, um, further out onto the field. It just keeps coming at you. But if you break it there, they, they have to scramble back and, and you, you're going to score tries if you can do it. And that's the magic of Sonny Bill. They think that if he can get fit, he can play them that one trump card, which is to play other people into space and, and take the sting out of a rush defense. And so he, he's world class when he's on. We just need to see that he doesn't break down between now and the World Cup.